Coffee with Humans is live, candid conversations between strangers who become friends. Made possible with your support. Subscribe, share, and comment on your favorite platform. Get Coffee with Humans mugs and more. Links are at coffeewithhumans.com. Thanks for joining me. Well, we are live here with Coffee with Humans with my new friend, William Glass. William, welcome to Coffee with Humans. Thanks, Jason. Excited to be here today. Well, I'm excited to have you. Uh, I noticed you have a background behind you. Is that New York City, maybe? It is, yeah. It's uh, the Flatiron Building. You only get half of it because of how low this desk is. But uh, yeah, it's a great IKEA purchase that uh, has been gifted down from people that have moved out of apartments that I'm friends with. So it has now (laughs) landed in my apartment. I gotcha. Okay, so an IKEA purchase that's been gifted down. That's uh, that's good. So it at least has some meaning behind it for you. It does. It does. I carried this thing on the uh, on the train, and that was that was fun. Just oh wow, carrying it because cool. it's quite large. It's quite large. If you can kind of tell, Let's see, I guess I can tilt the camera. You know, it oh, covers wow. up the hole. Yeah. So, heck yeah, that's you awesome. get a lot of looks. You get a lot of looks carrying that on the train. So uh, on the train, New York City background. I'm in Northern Illinois. Where are you located? Uh, so I'm in Queens. Queens. But I'm originally originally from Alabama. Uh, was in Florida for a while, went to college there, lived there, lived in Thailand for a year, so have bounced oh, wow. around. But uh, right now, New York City is is what I call home. Hey, that's fun. Yeah. So we're in, we're in Illinois? Outside of Chicago by about 60 or 70 miles west. West, okay. So you're not, yeah. I've got a friend who in college, he was from Munster in Indiana, and I'd always make oh. fun of him and be like, you're not even in the same state because he'd always say he was from Chicago. <laughs> So I always yeah. make fun of uh, make fun of him. So just making sure it's you're funny. not from Munster. I am not from Munster, Indiana. Um, although that area tends to wrap together so much that if there weren't some imaginary line set forth years ago, it would be called Chicago. Yeah, that or makes suburb sense. Of Chicago. <laughs> that makes sense. So it's, it's Chicago slowly creeping out and and gathering up everything around it. Yeah. That well, uh, welcome. This this is exciting. Uh, I'm curious. Why did you choose to click the button to have coffee with me? Yeah, so anyone that's willing to have strangers essentially sign up and have conversations with them has got to be interesting themselves. So that was that was one of my thoughts is I'd like to meet someone that is very open, talking to just anyone that essentially will uh, will sign up and is willing to go live on a bunch of different platforms and just have a conversation without any pretext. I think that's pretty cool. So I was just excited to get to meet you and just talk to someone else looking at your background. Um, you know, I think there's some interest, some interest in a line in terms of how you're supporting businesses and entrepreneurs and things like that. So, uh, just that's what made me click. I will accept the moniker of interesting person. (laughs) I hope I, I think I'm, I think I've lived an interesting life. Um, I, I'm, I would think that, uh, my background would say so as well, but I've not been in, I've never lived in Thailand. Yeah, well, I mean, well, right now I would I would wait, but uh, definitely yep. a great place to live. Yeah, I uh, I spent a year over there, so I did. Um, there's a pro- program through the State Department called Fulbright, so I did that and oh, taught yeah. English in uh, rural Thailand. I was surrounded by rice paddies and sugarcane fields, and wow, that was that was where I lived for a year, and uh, it was really really neat experience definitely opened up my eyes in terms of just one, how similar we are. And then also how you can adapt in terms of a very different culture, very different lifestyle. Um, 
didn't really make any money, but managed to save more money than probably most Americans do today, which is kind of funny. Right. I got paid 500 bucks a month uh, and managed to wow. save, you know, a thousand dollars by the end of the time I was there. So, you know, just funny how, how, uh, you know, you can adapt to life and just, when you think about standard of living and things like that, how, uh, how that works, but yeah. So what, what so would how, you say? Oh, go yeah, ahead. I was no, going to say, ahead. you liked, you liked the moniker of interesting person. I'm curious what you think is one of the more interesting things about you. <laughs> I love, I love that you, that you asked me a question. I always tell people, and I told you before the episode too, that you're welcome to ask me questions. It's a dialogue, not a monologue. And few people take me up on that. Uh, but this is great. So what, what's one of the more interesting things about me? Hmm. Uh, I don't know if it's really, oh, that, I don't know if it's really interesting or not. How's this? But, um, I love to do karaoke. Oh, okay. I don't see that's not very interesting. No, but are you, are you a solo karaoke or do you like to have a partner and do duets? Like what's your, what's your style? I have a, I have some songs that I do that I just know. Uh, so I'm the karaoke or that I will go out to karaoke, but I only sing songs that I could probably just nail. Um, because I'm a reasonably good singer. And I also know, uh, that when I go into there, I kind of feel out the, feel out the vibe and figure out what songs may or may not fit. Um, okay. So I like, I like singing solos, uh, but I tend to be asked by people to sing with them. And so there will be somebody who, who's, there's inevitably somebody who's like, Hey, do you want to do this thing, song with me? And I'm like, maybe what song is it? And then I, I go through and I try and listen to the song. So I'll have, I'll actually sit there with my phone next to my ear, be listening to the song to try and see if I know it. Cause I don't, the other interesting thing is, and this I get is not very interesting. Um, I can go into something more interesting later, but, um, I don't remember names of songs. I know the words. I probably know the tune. I know that I definitely know the tune. I probably know the words or can learn them super fast and have no idea what the song name is or and sometimes no idea what the name of the artist is. That makes it pretty hard to look up in the little karaoke books. What, uh, which song to sing then? <laughs> uh, well, it does. And that's why, uh, so there's a couple different karaoke places in town. One has like an old, uh, it's just one, it's one computer not connected to the internet and, and they have, the songs are all old and I don't know why they won't connect to the internet or something like that. But then you get good DJs who they'll download the thing. They'll download any song you want, oh, which is fun okay. until they download the version that you didn't want. And then you just got to roll with it. <laughs> and some people, and some people be like, stop the music. That's not the song I wanted. And I just roll with it. I'm just like, I'll, I'll figure it out, make it up. Um, but I, That's I, um, I like to get other people to sing. Yeah. So I like that. I'm the instigator. If, I if, like that. if this person like, I can't sing, I'll be like, just, let's do it together. And then, and then as they start singing, like I'll back away, you know, <laughs> and they're like, and you know, just to get people to get people out of their comfort zone. No, I like that. Yeah. I think you, you definitely need an instigator when going to karaoke. Cause it's, you, you want everyone to sing. Right. And you obviously want them to be comfortable and you know, you don't want to scare someone and torment them, I guess, for the rest of their lives, guard them for the rest of their lives. But yeah, like if you're going to karaoke, get involved. So I like that. Totally. I like that. Most people I, are too afraid. Uh, well, I shouldn't say most people. That might be an exaggeration. Many people are too afraid to step out of their comfort zones to do something that they've been doing for, you know, God knows how long. They've been singing in their shower for years. They've been singing in their car. They were singing on their car 
in their car on the way over. And I, and I'm pretty convinced that some people just need to be asked. Uh, and if you ask them, then they start to, they start to go, oh, okay, maybe I'll step into this with someone else. They just don't want to be alone. They don't like the idea of standing there alone with, with this hypothetical idea that somehow they're being inspected by everyone, you know, and judged by everyone. And it might be true that they are being judged by everyone, but the, the benefit is, is that in most karaoke bars, no one's going to remember the next day who you are and you Exactly. No one's going to remember. And even if the person behind you is like Celine Dion or someone, right, they're going to be focused on that person next. And, you know, their judgment of you will last five, five seconds and they'll move on with their lives and worry about themselves singing. So I, I did sing, um, once though in, in, uh, I, I started, I started frequenting a place for karaoke, uh, and, and a, and a friend of mine who I've sung with for years in other situations and churches and that type of stuff. Um, she, she and I sing this song, uh, the prayer by Andrea Bocelli and Celine Dion since we brought up Celine Dion. Uh, <laughs> And, and it's, um, in Italian Oh, okay. and, and I can sing, I can sing some bars in Italian. Um, and so we, we got the, we got the Italian version. Uh, and so she's, she's took off into Celine Dion mode. And then all of a sudden <laughs> I went, I started singing Italian and in her dad was filming it at the time. Uh, and, and you see this, we see this guy in the, in the, in the, in our, you know, cell phone camera. Uh, video this guy's sitting off at the bar and he's just like drinking his he's drinking his beer he just like stares off because he's like who the hell who the hell is singing italian in a karaoke bar it's so funny that it, was, it was just a blast that is that sounds like unexpected it. so Funny set, funny connection here. So one of the things that I spent a lot of time doing in Thailand was karaokeing. They love to karaoke. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. And part of while I was there, so there was, uh, this one, so the school that I taught at was pretty much all female teachers and there was maybe five male teachers and there was only one under the age of like 65. Um, and so I, him and I connected as we were the only essentially like young male teachers there. And part of like us getting to know each other and I call him older brother and he calls me younger brother and like, we're still connected. We send each other, we were sending, send each other care packages all the time. But uh, one of the requirements was that I had to learn a Thai song so that I could sing it in karaoke. And I'll tell you, that was one of the best decisions I made because I could use that with my students to get their attention. It was like an incentive, like, let's hear the, like the Farang, the foreign teacher, like sing in Thai, like that was motivating to them. So uh, yeah, lots of karaoke. I've, I, uh, I've only, I only did it a couple of times beforehand. My mom would always kind of drag me up when I was younger because she liked to sing and would do, uh, would do karaoke, but she was also similar in the fact that she didn't want to do it by herself. So she'd bring me up yeah. so that, that way she could have someone else to play off of. Uh, but yeah, yeah. Thailand, you would fit in very well then, Jason, <laughs> you would like it. I don't know any Thai though. Like I, I know nothing about the, I know nothing about the language. So did you know before you went there? No, I didn't, didn't know any Thai. Uh, so I, oh. I learned the first month I was there, it was like, let's learn some basic teaching skills because I'd also never taught. So let's talk about setting people up for success. So I'd never taught, I didn't know the language. And uh, yeah, so that's the first month, learned a little bit of Thai. And then the part of Thailand I was in had its own sort of accent and dialect. So I had to learn a little bit of that as well. But it's very, it's very, um, it fits well with singing, right? It's very tonal. So uh 
I think you'd be able to pick it up. The other thing is that they're really good at singing English songs. So you can go to a Thai karaoke place oh. and you'll find English songs. So <laughs> that's great. Well, yeah. um, so you, you, uh, went from, from Florida to Thailand on the, was a, on the Fulbright program, right? Fulbright scholarship type thing. Yes, that's correct. Yeah. Okay. And got paid nothing over, you know, by American standards. And then, and then went back to New York. Yeah. So I, so I, yeah, went back That's to New York, shift. went back to New York, though I did, I did go back to Florida for a while. So I was in New York for okay. about a month after I got back from Thailand and then ended up getting a job down in Florida. My dad had moved down to Key West. And so there was an incentive for me to be able to get closer to Key West quicker, um, weather wise and all that stuff and just spending time with him. So, uh, yeah, so ended up in technology sales after that and, uh, was in Fort Myers, Florida. And then in 2018, and that was for two or three years. And then 2018, I moved up to, to New York. So how do you feel that your understanding of the world or of yourself, let's, let's, admit, let's maybe deal with just yourself, but how, how do you feel that the understanding of yourself changed having gone through such significant extremes from Thailand to New York city? Yeah. So you asked about what would a title of the chapter of a book in my life be? And I said, why am I yeah. still running? And, uh, for some reason as a kid, I kept wanting to go experience different things. I still wanted to be close to home sort of, or like have a connection, but I was always running away from whatever it was to go try to find something. And I don't know what that hmm. was. Um, it was a different experience, different lifestyle. So, you know, went from, you know, deep South Alabama to Orlando, Winter Park, Florida, which is its own sort of cultural shift. Um, in terms of everyone being from the Northeast and then a lot of people international that were at the college that I went to and then Thailand. And I was always just searching for something and mm. wasn't really sure what that was, but I think it had a lot to do with just figuring out who I was. So I was running away from who I was in a certain place. So who I was when I was in Alabama, who I was when I was in college, who I was in Thailand. And I think that's what I've learned about myself in these different places is that I figured out more of being comfortable in my own skin, William Glass, what, is, what does that mean? What do I care about? You know, what are my values? And discovering that by seeing how other people interact with the world and live and how, what they value. So that's sort of what I've learned throughout my experiences. Um, it's still a lot to be learned. So I don't want to pretend that I know exactly who I am, but I have a much better understanding. So this idea of running from something or to something is pretty, I think, prevalent in most of our lives that we, we all have this sense at some point in time, and I don't know if we ever settle down, um, this idea that we are moving and it does seem that we either are moving away from something to escape it, or we're moving to something, something to become it. Have you resolved any of that in your travels? I think so. Yeah. I think I like the way that you framed that, right? So running away or running to, and I think running to is a lot more exciting than running away. Uh, cause you know where you're going, right? You have that goalpost, you've defined some things. And, uh, I would say that's what I've discovered is more of like what, what I'm actually running towards and what's important in my life. Um, and a lot of that has to do with the relationships with people and, you know, friends, family, and just being there and showing up for them and, and, um, and spending time, right. You hear that kind of moniker that like the one finite resource that we have and uh, I think that's something that I've, that I've learned, 
Um, and that's one of the things that I'm running towards is opportunities where I can be with the people that I love and care about more frequently. So how, how, how does that work into what you're doing right now, which is, has something to do with financial literacy and emotions around money, which, and for our viewers and listeners, uh, I think uh, there's an important understanding here, which is, I don't know you at all. Now, yeah. uh, if we met yeah. now 20 minutes ago, if that, and we've, and before our broadcast, we talked about almost nothing on purpose because the whole point here is to just sit down and have a cup of coffee in this case, virtually, uh, with, with someone who becomes a friend at the end of this thing to, in, a, in an effort to make the world a better place, to hear from other experiences and share, um, I'll steal, I'll steal somebody else's name for this, but the pool of meaning, the shared pool of meaning, where we get to dump our, you know, our stuff into it and then circle it around and figure out what we want to take from it. So you're, you're on some, some path around emotional or, uh, the emotions and finances and the financial literacy. What, how does that work into what you're running to? Yeah. So I'll actually start with what I ran away from. And okay. so in, uh, you know, growing up, I very love both my parents. They're the most supportive people. I know that they love me hundred percent, but in 2008, when the housing crisis and bubble burst, their relationship burst along with it due to finances. Mm. They didn't have common goals, common language. They just didn't have, uh, they weren't aligned. And, you know, there's other things, obviously, in a relationship that, that, you know, are part of that. But that was one of the key things that kind of led to that. They're going their separate ways. Mm -hmm. And it really impacted me. I mean, at the same time as a millennial growing up, seeing financial crisis and everything else and all the people that lost jobs. And yet you see the bailouts of banks. And funny that we're now having this conversation as we're kind of coming out of and still dealing with the, the coronavirus pandemic, um, that really affected me. And I got really interested in personal finance. One, I'm, the only, I'm an only child. I'm the only grandchild on both sides of the family. So at the end of the day, I'm probably going to be the last one standing, so to speak, and being able to take care of family, extended family, and um, wanting to put myself in the best position because that's something that I see as a responsibility, but something that I want to own. And so at the time I was more running away from that, if that makes sense. And trying to figure out, well, how can I be, you know, who I like find out who I am in this context of the world and who, what I want to accomplish without thinking about this responsibility, which no one told me that I had to take on, but in the back of my mind, I've already taken it on. Um, and so, yeah. And so that was sort of my experience and going to Thailand was, hey, if stuff hits the fan in the US, am I gonna be able to survive for a year? That was my one goal out of college was I wanna be able to like make sure that if, if crap hits the fan in the US, I can still live out there in the rest of the world. And I managed to prove that. And then I came back and I was like, all right, well now I gotta get started on this whole financial journey so that I can support everyone. Um, and that's what led me into like sales and uh, trying to essentially find a job that would pay me what I felt I was worth, which I didn't think I was worth, I thought I was worth more than $40,000 or $50,000 a year. So I ended up in sales because it's the only job where you could have a commission and make more than that, at least with my just regular uh, bachelor's degree. And um, yeah, I was seeing, starting to make progress on my own financial journey and setting aggressive goals and not always meeting them. In fact, most of the time, not, not meeting them, but still making progress yeah. and wanting to figure out like, why, why is this? And um, you know, there's a ton of tools and things out there. And that's really what got me interested in the emotional side of money 
and like what drives me to want to actually go, you know, put money away versus going out with friends tonight or going to, you know, waste a bunch of money on something that I don't care about, like a brand new car, things like that. And seeing just how unhappy a lot of people are that I wasn't alone in that of like spending on things that I didn't really care about and then being feeling guilty because I'm not in the position that I want to be. And then using some sort of online shopping or something like that to then make myself feel better and just keep end up in this debt cycle, so to speak. Um, so that's kind of the really long winded answer, but that's what I'm running towards is um, trying to help people figure out what it is that they really care about and then have the knowledge and ability to actually achieve their goals. And unfortunately or fortunately, finances is always going to be a part of that. Um, so yeah. That's a pretty deep understanding. And it occurs to me that most people need sort of some sort of fuel for their fire of uh, their, their, their quote unquote, why, right? Why do you do the thing that you do? And, and, and that leads many people forward. And some people who don't figure out their why just, just wander. It seems your why seems to be clarified at an awfully, um, awfully young age. Well, I'd say having this conversation and more conversations like this, Jason is actually really helpful because no one's going to really ask you that. But when you sit down in a setting like this, where you're meeting someone for the first time on a live stream or a podcast or something like that, it's like, well, what are we going to talk about? And you start to, you start to sort through those things. So I think honestly, just having awesome conversations like this and what you're doing is a great way for people to start figuring that out for themselves. And I don't want to pretend that I've got it all figured out because I definitely, definitely don't. Uh, but I'm getting clearer on what that why is. And I'm sure as my life changes and different things happen, that why will probably shift as well. But I don't know, what's, your, what's been your experience in terms of finding your why? Jason, I'm curious to, to hear that. I oh boy. <laughs> you, you're, this is good. I like this, uh, that you are taking me up on the offer to ask me questions. Because I don't typically, I'm, I'm pretty good at turning it back around. Um, but I will resist that temptation. How's that? Okay. I mean, yeah. How are you going to take it? Uh, <laughs> yeah, so I I do business advisory work, um, and and part of that is is helping people protect themselves while growing their businesses, uh, because I have not always protected myself when I've grown my businesses, and that's not turned out so well, and so I have seen both great success and what I thought was terrible, terrible failure, you know, epic failure. Uh, and have, have, have learned to, or am learning how's that to be resilient through both of those extremes, uh, to pay that forward in, in some way. Part of why I do coffee with humans is that that was launched in April of last year, because it seemed to me, my gut, what was going on in my, my spirit, let's say my gut was that. People were feeling disconnected. I was feeling disconnected. Other people were feeling disconnected. Almost to the point of, it seemed, um, not sure what the word would be, but like despondency, almost like, like, like I'm so despondent here. Uh, and I determined that I wasn't going to let that feeling drag me backward. Instead, I was going to use that as energy to to push off from that. And I thought, well, how could, it, how could I make it easier to connect with other people? And so I simply, 
out of, on a on a whim in my gut using whatever experiences and and skills that I had had gained up to that point posted a post on LinkedIn and said if you want to have coffee um, I said actually I wrote I wrote there I said I'm going to have 52 coffees this year uh, if you want to have coffee with me I'll have coffee with you the only rule is no sales calls I didn't give it a lot of thought I just knew this is something I should probably do and so I did and off of that one post came a handful of coffees. I then recorded those and took these little three to five minute excerpts through those back online and then got more and more and more and more. And before I knew it, I'd, I had recorded 70 or 80 calls with people before I thought, wow, this is taking a lot of time to edit. And so I never did. I never edited them. <laughs> and, and so I stopped for a little bit. I retooled the whole thing and said, I need to make this easier on me. It's still contributing value to the world. I'm booked two or three months out. Uh, and that's, that's basically a configuration of my, uh, my calendaring system. Mm -hmm. Um, and then, uh, people, people engage. So I thought I got it. I'm going to continue to do this and we'll see where it goes. And so after taking off maybe two months, I retooled the whole thing to be live. So I just click a button as you've experienced, click a button, we go live. And then at the end, I click a button and it's done. And that's immediately out there. Uh, I can get it edited later and I have. Um, and it was just a way of offering people like yourself and like me, if you want to connect with somebody and just talk about whatever, I'm pretty convinced that if we, if we intend to make it a meaningful time, it'll be a meaningful time. And if, if we're finding meaning as this micro, as this, uh, microcosm of what's going on in the greater part of the world, uh, there are, must be other people like us. And I'm just going to walk into that fully. I'm going to trust that that's true and, and put it out there. And, and, and then that, that led to all sorts of things that I needed to think through and overcome in my own self to go ahead and do it. So that's, that's where I ended up, uh, on my journey and part of, and a handful of whys why I do the things I do. Yeah. No, it makes sense, especially just around around uh when you started in April, everything shut down. How long are we going to be in this? And being able to connect with people because not like you're going to bump into people at events or at the grocery store or all, you know, all these places. You just we we lost that serendipitous interaction. So I love that. And I Jason. felt like there was a I felt like there was a lack of meaning. Um, because we became fixated on one singular event, which, yeah. which, um, you know, granted it's a big deal. It, you know, put the, the economies of the world, their knees, but in the grand scheme of things, it's a blip on the radar of history. And, and I felt like there's gotta be some way to reach deeper. And, um, and I thought if I can provide, if I can, if I can bring myself to the table to open that space. There's got to be other people who will come to the table with me. Yeah. What have you learned? I'm curious at what are some of like the key takeaways from now having done this? It sounds like close to uh, over a hundred times. It sounds like at this point or somewhere. 50 or 160, 160 times now. Yeah. Something like that. Um, key takeaways. Uh, there is, there is definitely a need for connection. People desire true connection. They don't actually want to talk about the things that they do as much as you think they do. Um, like their professions, we are, me we are more meaning than that, um, in our, or we have a depth of meaning to ourselves that's, that transcends what we do. 
um, which was an inkling I had. And I, and I thought I'll just create the space and say, that's what do we do. Um, the other thing is that, uh, I think one of the things I've really enjoyed about it is the similarities between people. Um, I, I, I do believe that we are all very, very similar. Uh, and I've done a, my own fair share of traveling around the world and people are much more the same than we are different. We are, we are different on a superficial level mm -hmm. and we are not so different beneath the surface. And, and I, and having a, uh, a space to just allow that to come forward, I think is so important for people. Um, particularly now, now that it's so easy to operate superficially, yeah. uh, through the internet, you know, we, we can have, we can have the facade of relationship or the facade of connection, the, uh, but it's not, mm -hmm. it's, it, and that's where, that's where there really is a distinction or a, uh, a growth and it's measurable in the, 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 even though we have social media, the, uh, an unprecedented ability to connect easily, we are also the most separate and most alone that we've ever been our, our, our kids at least. Um, yeah. and, and they're not necessarily developing the skills to go deeper in relationships. They're just developing the skills to have more, have more, it's quantity, it's a quantity versus quality issue, I think. Um, yeah. And when we don't have to reach each other face to face, it's much more easy to hide. Yeah. No, that uh, makes sense. A lot of, a lot of really, I think, important things that I definitely have experienced and I think everyone's experienced, but you're, you're spot on in terms of like the younger generation. So my, my girlfriend, she teaches middle school science and so, you know, deals with a lot of, a lot of those challenges and just all of the, the way that kids interact and especially, you know, right now, and they're still in sort of like a weird limbo where they're not quite back in person. Um, so still like just the challenges that especially, you know, teenagers and preteens and kids are facing is just really, really tough. And, you know, it goes to adults as well, but especially in your formative years though, when you're still developing and figuring out who you are, I think that's, you know, the screen hides so much. Yeah. I think there's something to forcing proximity upon people. Here's what I mean. Years ago is back in, I think 2011 or something like that. Uh, I went, uh, uh, in an RV around half the country, uh, with my wife and kids. And, and I remember traveling along that time that about two weeks in or up to the two week mark, the pressure of being in this one location with the, the one car, one RV for most of the time. You know, you're not, you're not, you don't have much alone time. Uh, the pressure became greater and greater and greater and greater and greater. And then right around the two week mark, it's almost like the dam broke loose. And all, and a lot of this pressure was released. We became acclimated to one another in a way that we had not been acclimated to one another before, despite, you know, having lived with each other for many years. That occurred also when we went away again for an extended period of time in an RV. And the, we all, each of us felt it in our own ways, you know, from, from older to younger. Yeah. Um, and I think that part of, part of what we see in, in relationship building is proximity or lack of proximity when we can do it all online. Mm 
because we can, when that pressure increases to the point where we like, we have to resolve, this must be resolved because we're going to be stuck here together. And also, and it turns out we can resolve things when we can easily separate, when we can easily move, um, distance, when we can easily shut the screen off with the, you know, send, put you on blast, pop, 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 and then go, then we exit. And all of a sudden we, we relieve the pressure by just distance. And I don't, and, and then we have to, I believe we start the process all over again, only now with, with, um, more misunderstanding yeah. because we take what was, whatever wasn't resolved from before and we bring that back with us or, um, or we never do. Right. Yeah. And I think, I think that that is, um, that's a disservice. That's so, you know, while technology has brought us the ability to connect from around the world, you know, you and I are doing this thing. It's also given us. Uh, the ability to not build close relationships when the going gets too tough. Yeah. And it's interesting because when you think about, you know, how we're just, our brains are wired, right? We seek pleasure, avoid pain, like at the most basic level, you're going to run away from those tough uh, situations if that's the easier path than it is to resolve it. Um, and technology, at least the way that we're using it is more in that, in that regard versus this, which is, I think awesome that we're able to have this conversation we just met and like we're getting into some deep stuff and what's the likelihood that how many people are actually having these types of interactions and conversations online right so right. how is it how do you prioritize more of that connection building using the technology or as you said when we're in person how do you how do you focus more on those in-person relationships so yeah that's one of the things you brought out you, you know you mentioned it just a little bit before that one of the things you brought from your, your, your travels is this idea of, 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 uh, it sounds to me like relationship maintenance, like paying attention to the people that are with you and being fully invested in that. And it also seems like piggybacks off of your, your stuff that you're doing with finances, because this idea of emotions, which drives our behavior fundamentally impacts something that's structural to our lives, which is finances. And I think that when finances get out of control, that that equates to safety net gone. It's like safety's gone. And once safety's gone, now you have a real problem on your hands. And it all began with a dollar. And that's that seems to me that one of the one of the uh real important reasons that you're doing what you're doing around financial literacy. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think relationships can be super powerful in terms of helping us get to where we want to go, right? So if you think about like the fitness industry, Weight Watchers, uh, like even if you look at what Peloton's done with their virtual high fives and riding with other people, when you use community and relationships in the right way, you can, you can use it to overcome hard things, whether it's in finances or losing weight or whatever, whatever it is. Um, but it's about being with those people that are also on that same kind of journey or have a relationship and connect with you in a way that they understand why you're doing what you're doing and can support you um, on that journey. And so that's that's how it's kind of tied to me with with finances and have what I'm applying is that aspect of relationships and um, social to help people achieve their goals. Um, there's a stat that when you combine a regular weekly check-in with an accountability partner, you have a 95% higher likelihood of achieving your goal. Just regularly checking in with someone that's going to hold you accountable and cares about you. Like, and you can almost double your likelihood of achieving, or uh, yeah, 95%. So it's like, there's all these ways that we can use connection and meaning to 
uh, empower and enrich our lives. Yeah. So what's, what's the big topic that's on your mind for 2021 as you're coming out of this pandemic, which I you know from a, fi- from a financial literacy standpoint, really put people on check, uh, and put, I mean, there's a global economy issue as well, but you know, from a macro scale, but in your world, you know, finance or otherwise, what's the, what's the big thing that's circling around for you? Yeah, I think this pandemic has affected people in very different ways, right? If you were a highly skilled worker who could just quickly work, work from home, you probably saved a lot of money. You probably invested. And if you threw money at pretty much anything this past 12 months, you made money um, in the stock market, right? And then you've got the other side of the coin, people that were in service industry jobs and on unemployment and coming off of that and in very different experiences. Maybe they haven't, you know, had to pay rent and they, they're going to have to deal with that because they couldn't afford it. So we've just got all these just inequalities. And what I'm thinking about is how is that all going to play out? Um, how, can, how can we support the people that are already having success and continue to help them move towards their goals. But what about the rest of the people that were left behind? And do we have the right incentives, the right structure to help those people be successful? Um, and quite frankly, like my stat, my belief is that fin- the way that the financial services industry is set up today, we don't. Um, and how do we change that? And so that's really what I'm working on and building and you know, no sales pitches, so I'm not going to dive into that. But um, that's really what I'm focused on is, is how do we bring people up um, and help yeah. the people that need it the most? Yeah, well, it's okay. From a sales pitch standpoint, it's funny when I, when I started this, the, the, uh, it's been just the saying that I, I kept on there, you know, we'll talk about anything, the only rules, no sales calls. Um, and because I had this feeling, uh, it was almost like, I'm not sure if it was really qualifier. It just lay, it just went off my tongue because I, I made my first post on LinkedIn and, um, I was doing quite a bit on LinkedIn at the time and I, and I get daily, daily, several people a day, just nosing in to be like, Hey, have you ever thought about such and such? Like you haven't looked at my profile at all. You've no idea. (laughs) You're just an automated system. And so sometimes I've shot back, like, I know it's, I know this is an automated system, but if you want to have a chat, you know, here's, here's here to talk to me, uh, but it's, uh, from a, from a sales pitch you're not making a sales pitch. So I, you're totally fine. You're, you're well within bounds. I'm not gonna, <laughs> there's no virtual spanking that comes across the screen. Well, that's, that's good. Yeah. So that's what I'm doing. I've started a tech company to solve that problem. And that's what we're doing is we're gamifying finance. Um, it's called ostrich. And, uh, okay. that's what, what's that's the what URL, on. uh, get ostrich.com, get ostrich.com. Like the bird, like the bird. Yeah. Like the bird like that. That's it. Okay. So, so you're gamifying, uh, finances. Call me intrigued. I've done, I've, I've worked <laughs> with hundreds, hundreds and hundreds of entrepreneurs. Um, what talk, talk to me, what are you doing? <laughs> Yeah. So I kind of, I, yeah, I alluded to the social accountability, but that's what we're, that's what we're doing is we're taking that, uh, social aspect and applying it to finances. So financial challenges that are aligned with people's goals. So I've got a lot of student loan debt, then I might join a challenge with other people that are in student loan debt 
and have hmm. that accountability, that gamified experience of making progress towards towards my goals. Like peer um, groups. Peer groups, essentially. Yeah, exactly. And so uh, that's what we're doing. We're not linking to bank accounts because going back to the incentives piece, I think as soon as a company starts to either have you put money onto their platform um, or they link to your bank accounts, their incentives now are no longer aligned with yours, right? So that's like our our nuanced approach to it is making it social, but still keeping the gamification as a way to keep privacy because not everyone's comfortable talking about finances. But if you're in a group of other peers, no one needs to know the exact amounts or things like that, but you can use gamification to say, hey, I'm making progress towards my goals while you, Jason, are also making progress to yours and we can support each other in that. So um, uh, yeah. what's a, well, give me a practical example of what, what sort of gamification you are employing for a person who, let's say, has a lot of student loan debt, like you said, you're in a peer group of other people who've had a lot of student loan debt. How do you get better at this? Yeah, so I'll give you an example. One of the, I mentioned earlier that my girlfriend's a, a, a New York City teacher. Um, so one of the first, challenges that we ran to kind of test the concept was a no spending challenge. And so people just picked one th area of spending that they were unhappy with. And for all of falls called frugal fall, they just okay. cut, cut it out. And it, everyone had different things that they were trying to cut back on or cut out. And every day would come in and say, Hey, did I spend on this or not? And it was just a simple poll and commenting in the, uh, it was just a lot of fun. People were having fun with it. We were manually doing leaderboards and gamifying it and giving out streaks and things like that. And um, people were making better financial decisions in other areas of their life as well. And that's when it was like, okay, there's, there's something more to this. Um, and so that's an example of, of one of the challenges, but we've got challenges across various uh, parts of finance. So debt pay down, investing, giving, uh, even just checking your, your, uh, accounts regularly so you know where you are. Um, and that's part of where not linking to accounts allows us to focus more on what's important to you versus saying you should save more because that's all we can do on our app. Okay, interesting. So how is this app yeah. funded? Uh, so we, if you, if you're going- I'm talking about it. Yeah, you yeah, don't I'm, talk yeah, about it, so you don't want I know yeah, we're no, live. Yeah, no, no, we've, yeah, we've bootstrapped the business up to this point and okay. the way that we've, the way that we monetize is if you mm -hmm. do sign up for an investing challenge and you don't have a brokerage account, we'll make a recommendation. And if you sign up for one of the, our preferred partners, then we get a sales commission essentially for that sign up. So it could be a couple bucks. Um, but we also recommend products that we just like that we don't get paid for. Mm -hmm. um, so that's how we monetize. And long-term, we're looking to partner with financial services companies that want to better engage their customers or roll this out internally with their employees. Um, so yeah. That's, uh, that's what we're building and uh, focused on trying to improve financial wellness through Ostrich. Yeah. Wow, that's pretty cool. Why, why Ostrich? The name, we, uh, we came up with the name at a, a birthday party, a friend's birthday party. My co-founder, we were trying to come up with names and doing terrible things like, oh, what if we do Finn Lit or like, you know, looking at URL names really struggling to find one that stuck. And he happened to be wearing a shirt that had ostriches all over it. And I looked at his shirt and I was like, ostrich, that could work. Ostrich, okay, rich is in the root word. We're helping people get their heads out of the sand and actually take control of their financial lives, helping people build a strong nest egg. Hey, this mm -hmm. could work. And so that's how we landed on ostrich. And no one had used ostrich for a financial app. 
there is a, a random game, I think, on the on Android that was popular for a while called Ostriches Among Us, but I think we can differentiate ourselves from that uh, that game enough. So yeah, you're probably safe. <laughs> so yeah, so that's how we landed on Ostrich. Wow, that's pretty awesome. Yeah. So uh, from from Florida to Thailand to New York, Florida, back to New York, uh, to running a financial services company or a financial, what do you call yourself? Is it It's not really financial services. It's what is it? Yeah. We still say FinTech cause it kind of makes us not have to say exactly what we are, but it's probably more, it's more like wellness education is, uh, is how I bucket us. Financial wellness. I like that. So yeah, that's a good, uh, that's a good, that's a good term. Everybody's into wellness nowadays too. It is. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it's definitely, there's interesting things going on with gamification right now. Like if you look at the Robin Hood's under fire and I, you know, there's the congressional testimony that, that, uh, that happened, but you know, they're using gamification in order to get people to trade more, um, which is a little different. So, you know, just kind of like how we talked about technology, right. Um, for connecting with people, you can use it to disengage or leave hateful comments or create conflict, or you can use it the way that we're using it to connect with people. So it's all about the application of how you use the technology. So, yeah, that makes sense. Well, we're coming up at the end of our time here. Where do people, if they want to have a continued conversation with you about what you do, should they go to get ostrich or should they, where, where do they have to get you? Yeah, you can go to getostrich.com. You can find me on LinkedIn. Just search William Glass and Ostrich and I'll pop up. Um, or feel free to shoot me an email. It's just my first name at getostrich.com. Cool, man. Well, this yeah. is this is great. Any, uh, as we're closed down here, any uh, other thoughts on your mind that you want to impart to people? If you were to sing a karaoke song with me right now, what would it be? <laughs> I'm not saying we're going to do it. Just I'm just curious, okay, what would your selection be? <laughs> well, uh, my go-to is Butterfly by Jason Mraz. Okay, that's a good one. Uh, but yeah, last night I was walking around and... Um, uh, uh, what's the, what's the song? I see trees of green, red roses too. I don't know. World. Yeah, Louis what Armstrong. a wonderful world. I was yeah. thinking that one walking okay. around in the kitchen last night. I like that. I it like was just that. on my mind. And I was like, I, I don't know. It was just, I was in the good mood of just sweetness in the air. I like that. I think that's a good one to go out on. What a wonderful world. <laughs> well, if I had it ready to go, Darn it. That would have been perfect. If only we would have coordinated ahead of time. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I know, right? Gosh, darn it. Live shows. Well, William, it's been great to get to know you. I appreciate you and what you do. It sounds really fantastic. Uh, to all of our viewers and listeners, Coffee with Humans is candid live conversations between strangers who become friends, making the world a better place. We'll catch you next time. Thanks, William. Thanks, Jason. Appreciate you having me on. One of the things I love about Coffee with Humans are the raw conversations I get to have meeting new people just like you. If you or someone you know should be on Coffee with Humans, go to coffeewithhumans.com. Remember, the only rule is no sales calls.